So our scripture lesson today comes from Paul's uh, first letter to Timothy in chapter 6. And we'll be reading 6 to 10 and then 17 to 19. Hear the word of God. But godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is the word of the Lord. Does this screen deal mean that you're not going to be able to see my slides? Never mind, I can't even see them, so. All right. Cool, thank you. We're on our power awareness series, and um, the picture has been that rope, someone hanging on to that rope that's fraying in the middle, looks like it's going to break, um, which both capture the, the, the foundation piece of this, which is the power of weakness, our awareness that in Christianity things get turned upside down, where it's actually weakness and surrender that is um, the power, so to speak. The picture also fits for the power of money, because if you trust in the power of money, you are actually hanging on to a rope that's shredding and is kind of in danger. So next slide, please. Um, power is dangerous. That's the point of this whole series. And you have power, and you have money, and money is powerful as well. So we're really just paying attention to the fact that we all need to be deeply aware that we for the most part, live in many different privileged ways, more, some of us even more than others. And when you live in privileged ways that give you power, you have a deep responsibility in how you use that. That's what this whole deal is about. And we are a rich community living in a rich country and the rich part of the world. And so money is a topic that we need to think about. And I want to suggest to you that we are stuff obsessed. We might think that we are not, but we live in a world where it's pretty hard not to pay attention to how much of different things that you have, right? How many of you have enough clothes for four weeks, right? How many of us have enough toys to last us for a very long time, right? We see these things and they are normal to us because we all live in this part of the world, right? But you recognize that there's people who live with just enough to eat and just enough clothing, right? And a lot of them are actually just quite fine with that, thank you very much, quite happy. The Bible actually knows all about our obsession with financial kinds of things, because it talks about money 113 times, wealth 126 times, riches 154 times. Someone once said that about one in every six passages in the Bible talks about money. 
I have never researched that, and I don't know how exactly to do that, so this is my indication that that stuff is there. So my challenge today, however, is this. Uh, we did a commissioning, we have communion, um, and we're talking about money, which is, and this passage has piles of stuff, and I kind of want to keep it within the, somewhere near the normal time frame. And no one has ever told me to talk faster, so I'm definitely not going to try that part. Um, so hang in there. And this is what we're going to do. After another brief introduction piece, I'm going to just raise a whole bunch of questions about money that I need you to think about. And I know you want me to tell you exactly what you're supposed to do with your money, so I will do that at the very end, and you will ignore that slide, trust me. That's kind of how this works, right? Let's just, I'm just being honest with us. This is how, this is a hard dynamic to, to work through. Talking about money is actually pretty challenging for most of us. Next slide, please. So first, confession on pericope. And no, that is not pericope. If you are taking my uh, How to Read the Bible course, you now know what pericope is. It's basically a legitimate preaching passage. So if you're preaching in the Psalms, it's usually pretty easy. A Psalm is a Psalm, Psalm 1 is a Psalm, Psalm 2 is a Psalm, they all work. If you're doing 1 Corinthians 13, it's a little more challenging, because 1 Corinthians 13 starts in chapter 12, right? That you need to get the verse ahead of time to understand that this is the most excellent way. And my confession here is that I didn't read verse 5, and it should be in this passage, but I left it out because I have no idea what to do with this. So you have this option. Either listen to the rest of my sermon, or in your mind while I'm talking, answer this question. Where in the world does godliness lead to financial gain? Right? I wasn't sure where we see that kind of thing. So if you know it, awesome. Figure that out, let me know. Um, so that's why I skipped that, and that's going to give you a little brain teaser to think about if you want to. And it isn't the health and wealth theology that is preached in some churches. One, because Paul wrote this, and he lived a long time ago when the church was persecuted. So being a godly person in that context definitely didn't make you rich. So anyways, that was my question. That's why I skipped that. Now let's move on to about six or seven questions that we all need to think about. Next slide. First and foremost, are you content? Do you have a deep sense of peace with respect to financial matters? Godliness with contentment is an intention. He says, great gain. That's richness, is what he's saying. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. He's not saying the best food and the latest clothing, right? Just being covered and surviving and living. And, and again, I, I want to I come up with the stuff because I live in it too, right? This is, this is hard in our world because all day long you're being told that you actually need the next thing and the newest thing and more of those things, right? And a bigger th bunch of things. And so that sense of contentment being okay with, I have what I need and I'm not anxious about my finances. Uh, you can stay there all the time. I'm, I'm deeply impressed, right? That's part of the spiritual journey. That's why we need to have this conversation, because most of us are somewhere in that journey um, in terms of a struggle. Next slide, please. Are you looking at the big picture, right? Because when you look at the big picture, you're looking at what is life all about? What's my purpose? What is meaning? And hopefully your answer isn't to have as much stuff as I possibly can, because that big picture is going to well, the whole rest of this passage, we'll talk about that. Paul reminds us 
we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. The Old Testament, Job says, naked I came into the world and naked I will leave, right? A much, in a more explicit version of the exact same thing, right? There is a story out there that somebody got special dispensation from God to take their money with them into heaven. And so they thought, how am I going to get it there? And they converted it all into gold bullion because that was the most compact way to do it. And they took it to heaven and they got there and the angels said, oh, nice, paving stones, put them over there. Streets are paved with gold, yeah, okay. We don't sing that that often. You can't do that. And we all know that. So at least every once in a while, let's say annually on Stewardship Sunday when I preach about money, we've got to pause and think, what is this deal called life all about for me? And how does what I do and how I think about money how does it reflect that truth that I think this really big deal picture is about God and his stuff? Um, that my life here is this time in which I participate in God's kingdom work, right? But it's not about stuff I'm going to be taking with me and the legacy um, of finances. Next slide, please. Do you have money or does it have you? And you can ask this about a whole bunch of things in life. Are you in control of your finances, or do they control you? And be clear, this isn't only a question or, or a conversation for people who have lots, right? Because I know plenty often when we don't have much, we are even more obsessed about money, right? That worrying about how it's all going to work out and will I be doing this, that is also a version of paying more attention to money than to other more important and bigger picture kinds of things. Paul writes, those who want to get rich Notice, those who want to get rich, those whose focus is getting rich, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And you know that there's people emailing you on a regular basis or phoning you on a regular basis trying to draw you into this, right? There's all kinds of scams going on out there. We actually had someone come to our pastoral elders and explain a bit about this, right? And many of us have fallen for hopefully smaller versions of these pay attention, right? People know that you have concerns about your financial well-being, and so they're going to try and draw you into something, and when they're calling you, they're basically trying to feed off of the fact that you're worried about these things, and you're wondering about these things, and you wouldn't mind getting ahead a little bit quicker than the next person, right? It all plays in those kinds of things. Do you have control over money, the part that God has given to you, or does it control and manage what you think about how often is it your worry, your anxiety kind of a thing? Next slide. How does your first love show up? Because notice it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Money is just a neutral tool, right? It just happens to be a powerful one that's dangerous and we get very attached to it. But money in itself is just stuff. It's just a thing. It's just part of how our world works. The love of money is about saying, what is, what is first in my life? What is my goal in life? What's most important to me? What do I spend my energy focusing on and working on, right? So love, of course, love of God, love of Christ, love of following Jesus, that's what we're called to as we follow Jesus. And this other love always wants to say, I want to I be first, right? I want to jump in there. I want to take a lead on this. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, and pierce themselves with many grief, right? Wandering from the faith is, so 
we're doing a campaign right now, a capital campaign, at which we're encouraging all of you to give as you are able to enable us to carry on this ministry, right? And we have put in there, at least give $10 so that we know that you're actually paying attention. So we're not saying you have to give a lot because we don't know your circumstance. That's your decision. That's your thing to deal with. But we want everyone to participate because we want to know that you're actually paying attention to the fact that being part of a community of faith includes your finances, right? I know we're all aware of that, but we want you to actively participate in showing that you are aware of that, right? When we're doing that, we're saying this faith shapes how you function with your finances every single day, right? In fact, I've understood it this way. We often think that the church's role with respect to money is the budget of the church, about a million dollars in this context. I think the church's responsibility with respect to finances is the multiple millions of dollars that all of us are responsible for, right? This isn't just about running a church. This isn't a fundraising speech. This is a recognition that you all have money and you need to spend it on all kinds of different things and use it in all kinds of different ways, invest it and, and do all those kinds of things. All of that is part of your Christian life, all right? Heaven is God's kingdom at work here. Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our money be spent on earth as it is in heaven, which is on kingdom things, on God things. And so what you do when you're purchasing a vehicle, what you do when you're investing in your business, what you invest in and, and what they do in the world and how that manages our, 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 um, our world and our culture, all those things are part of what it means to, with your faith, with your first love, um, also use your finances. Next slide. How hard is this? Command those who are rich in this present world, that's pretty much all of us, by the way, in this context, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I think the hard part for those of us who have money is not trusting our money to keep us safe, right? I'm safe because I have insurance and I have a home and I'm able to pay and I have a paycheck, right? I feel safe because I know I'm gonna have enough food. Have you ever been in line at the grocery store and the person in front of you or behind you can't pay for their groceries, right? And there's that horrible moment where they're starting to take things out and put it back. And you think, that must be the worst feeling in the world. And hopefully you help them out at that moment, however you work that out. But what if it's actually completely fine to be a person who needs somebody else to help them pay for their groceries? What if that is just an equal human standing in this world, and that as a community, it should be no big deal that we'd say, oh, you can't pay for that now, why didn't you just ask me? I'll, I'll help you out with that. I can do that for you today, right? We have attached our financial ability with our identity. I am a person able to pay for myself, thank you very much, right? And we as a broader community, we really lean into this value, if I may speak on behalf of all of us, right? We don't go to the deacons to ask for benevolence help, that's for other people somewhere else because we are proud of our ability to take care of ourselves. We are arrogant on that level. 
What if each of us would take an opportunity sometime to put away our identification and our credit cards and our cash, put all that stuff out of your pockets, and get dropped off somewhere and try and find your way home where you have to actually ask for help. If you want a lot of fun, do it in a foreign country where you don't speak the language, right? That's a whole other aspect. It would be good for us to understand that we are deeply dependent people on each other, right? And when we are wealthy, we sometimes forget because we can depend on ourselves and the stuff that we have. I think this is a hard one that we need to think about. That's why the question is there. Next slide, please. Do you need this to be a command? Paul says to Timothy, command them to do good. Do good. That help? I always love those commands. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. I think his command language is, let us do these kinds of things together. Let's find ways to bless others and to find our, our wealth and how much we are able to be generous and to share. Obviously, we as a community encourage you to be generous on a very regular basis. We have an offering every week. We have regular ministry shares. We do drives. We advertise for all kinds of other organizations that we can be generous with. But our actual giving of funds to those things is not necessarily generosity. It might just be us having a lot of money and giving some away. Generosity is a matter of, does my heart beat looking for opportunities to help other people? Right? So if you give a lot of money, but you never actually extend your hand to a person in relationship, I'm not sure you've mastered the full breadth of what generosity is all about, right? Rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share, they're like this. They go together. It's a matter of how you function in this world, not just a matter of have you given enough money away, all right? Next slide. It's a lot of questions here. Lots to think about. This is the big one. How are you investing in life? Because in this way, by being generous and by being rich in good deeds, you will lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age. Let me stop there for a second. All right. So um, Jesus talked about generosity and said, store up treasure for yourself in heaven. And a lot of times we think of that in terms of this. So my generosity now is sort of a, a payment or an assurance that I'm kind of buying my way into that next stage. And you can tell by the way I'm saying that that's not how that works, right? Again, the foundation you're laying is for a heaven that's going to be God coming back into this world. So what we're building with our stewardship is God's kingdom in this world, because that's where the kingdom's going to be. He created the world and said it's good, right? And when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about all things godly being done here in this world. So we are not here saying, I'm going to do good to some other people so that I'm guaranteed that I'm going to get to that other place later. No, he's saying, build that kingdom here because when it's all said and done, we're all going to be coming back here into this world because it is good and it's going to be restored and renewed and all the good stuff that we've laid as foundation is going to be built upon and built upon and built upon. So if your greatest fear is that after you die, you have to go to this place called heaven where you're just going to be listening to a lot of classical music and sitting on a cloud and you might be bored. Don't worry, that's not what heaven is. Heaven's going to look a whole lot like what we're doing here, except with all the messy and broken stuff, okay? 
Therefore, when we're using our money in a stewardly way, we're building the good stuff that we're doing here, and we're hopefully building it in such a way that it lasts, that it has longevity, that it shapes this world, right? So that's the coming age, and do it so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So what he's saying is when money isn't your first love, when you're using it in a generous way, when you're part of a community that's building something that lasts, that totally transforms people's lives, then you're alive, right? If you're worrying about money, that's just a piece that you haven't let go of yet. When you're free with money, when you're able to trust God, even when you're challenged, when you're able to even ask somebody to help you financially, that's when you're truly alive, because you recognize yourself as a dependent person who needs God, who needs others, who can love them and can also receive love from them. That's the vision of what it means to be kingdom of heaven people, kingdom of God people with our money. Last slide. Conclusion. We could all benefit from real open conversations about what we do with our wealth. Remember what I said at the beginning? I'm just gonna ask you a bunch of questions and some of you are gonna want something much more concrete and clear to do, this is it. Do you wanna do this? Do you wanna have those conversations? I'm not organizing it, I'm just telling you, there are a whole bunch of people in this community, let's say 500, that's a nice easy round number, some of whom you probably have some sort of a relationship with, and I wanna encourage you to find the ones with whom you can say, hey, you wanna talk about how we do finances? You wanna share what makes you anxious and be honest about that? You wanna advise each other on good ideas that you've bumped into along the way that help you let go? Have that conversation, because there are lots of questions raised here. We live in a world that's all about money and finances and wealth, so there's lots that we can lean into. I encourage you, have that conversation, find that person, Bring yourself in a place of openness before God and each other. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your incredible gifts to us in this world. First and foremost, your love. We love you for your love, and may that be our first love. And Lord, we recognize that on the way, you have blessed us immensely um, in financial and physical and in those kinds of ways. And so we pray also that you would give us deep wisdom and how we deal with that. We pray, Lord, that we may continue to be a generous community, but that we may also be an open and honest community about our finances, about our wealth, about the gifts that we have. And we pray that we could hold each other in loving accountability as we share openly, as we hear each other and wonder together, as we are vulnerable, and also as we feel the blessing of being real one to another. Lord, may that be who we are in you, trusting you above all else. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.